dear listeners, my provocation to you is to look in the mirror and find out what are your stereotypes. And please don't blame yourselves. Just forget about all that to try to find out where they come from and what stereotypes you have. And then try to talk to someone who you trust, someone who wants to go through the same process and together find ways to overcome those stereotypes. Hello again, this is Diogo Pires, the host of the Europe Talk Solidarity podcast. We've been crossing the continent to talk to different people studying and writing about solidarity. So far, we've talked about the definitions of solidarity, different projects addressing the topic, what can happen if we open up to others, and the challenges about expanding solidarity from small groups to the wider society. And speaking of challenges, there's a very important element we haven't talked through yet. Discrimination. With whom are we solidary? And up to what point? Have you ever wondered about that? Well, to help us tackle this question, here's our guest. Hi, Oana. It's good to have you on the podcast. I will first ask you to please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Oana Nestian Sandu, and I'm very happy to be joining you today. We are in Timisoara. Western Romania, close to the Serbian and Hungarian border. Oana suggested we meet right across the place where the anti-communist revolution started in 1989. What do you like the most about this city, Oana? One of the things I like about Timisoara is the people and how creative they are and uh, how much initiative they have and how they can come together when there is a need to make uh, a change in the society. To help our listeners immerse themselves in the story, how would you describe yourself? Uh, wow, okay. <laughs> This is an interesting question. Well, I am uh, definitely a curious person. I, uh, I like to learn about the world and to learn about people. I studied psychology and I remember that when I had to, to pass some exams uh, in the beginning uh, to be admitted at the university. Uh, they had this interview and they asked us, why do you want to study psychology? And I remember that preparing for that, I thought, well, I like to learn. And I think that there's nothing more interesting to learn about than people. So hence psychology. And, and what has led you with your background in psychology to study solidarity? Um, my story actually is very much into intercultural education. This is what I have always been passionate about. And when I uh, graduated from university, uh, I was very lucky to discover an organization called Intercultural Institute of Timisoara. And I worked for this organization for my entire life. Um, I think that intercultural education is the answer to a lot of the questions in our societies in the 21st century. And I think that when we speak about solidarity, uh, of course, solidarity is such a complex concept, uh, but I think that we cannot truly talk about solidarity if we do not include intercultural aspects in our understanding of solidarity. 
what can we learn from in intercultural education that we could not if we don't have that experience? Well, I think that without it, uh, without looking at intercultural aspects of the society is like, I don't know, turning a blind eye uh, and not looking at the society because every society uh, is an intercultural society. One explains to me that no matter where we are, there is a lot of diversity and we need to look at the diversity in order to be able to live together. And that intercultural education teaches that within that diversity, there is no hierarchy, no culture that is better or worse, that we are all equal members of society. I was curious to hear how that relates to the concept of solidarity. There is a various way to be solidary, of course. And one, uh, one of the ways which is not so good, let's say, is uh, trying to help other people who are in need, but from a position of power, from a position of superiority. And being solidary with other people in a certain situation, only if this allows us to keep our position of power. So in a way to, to be uh, some people act in solidarity because that makes them, you know, feel good about themselves, but they don't make all the necessary steps to understand um, the realities in which the people who need this solidarity are living and then what we can do as a society to change the rea those realities. And what's the challenge here? I think the problem is that solidarity is seen a lot as charity and, and that's okay, that's one side of it, but uh, that, that is not enough to make a true change. And I think an important aspect of solidarity that is not discussed so much is how to be solidary by being an active citizen who is uh, committed to changing policies, who is committing to understanding um, diversity and to learning about other cultures and also committed to learning about um, our own stereotypes and you know the mistakes that we and our ancestors have done in the past to learn about them and to learn from them so we can move forward in a more equal society and in a way that uh, allows us to better understand one another. Well, I know it may be tricky to answer, but what would be your definition of solidarity? Uh, well, yeah, it is indeed hard to answer because it's, it's a very complex uh, concept. But I think that um, a simple way to define it would be to understand that we are all human beings and that we have personalities, all of us, and we have uh, needs and we have dreams. And uh, I think that often the, the problem, a lot of the problems in our societies is that we tend to divide the world into us and them. And we tend to see people who we consider are not like us as a homogeneous group of people who have I don't know, only needs or who are only behaving bad and uh, we don't see them as complex uh, human beings. So I think that solidarity means understanding the complexity of human beings and understanding that we can evolve together as a society only if we take care of each other and only if 
the society is able to work in a way that allows everyone to develop their full potential. And surprisingly, when asked about the stories of solidarity that are most remarkable to her, Owena points towards people who really made a difference and changed the status quo, like the civil rights movement in the United States. You know, in the in the civil rights movement, there was not only African American people who were part of that movement. There was a diversity of people uh, who were living in uh, the United States at the time, uh, with different skin color, different religion, uh, diverse groups of people who were involved in the civil rights movement. And they realized that it is very important to contribute to making this change in the society. It is very important to make sure that African-Americans have um, access to their rights. And that's why people were willing to spend a lot of time, sometimes to risk their well-being. Owena calls this kind of solidarity, the one that really grapples with the deep inequities in our society, sustainable solidarity. To her, sustainable solidarity is about acting and about changing policies. And without strong policies, without uh, legislation that is based on human rights, uh, we cannot uh, move forward. And so I think that, you know, acts of charity, like, you know, giving money um, to a charity or giving money to people in the streets are uh, a good way to contribute to the society. But this is not sustainable because we have seen, you know, people have done this for a long time and we still have people who are in need. We still have people who live in the streets. But actions that lead to changes in understanding of the world, changes in the legislation that exists or in the practices that exist in a country, uh, they could actually um, impact the people and uh, there will be in the future, uh, less people who will need this kind of solidarity. Oana, in your article, you raise a very powerful question that I'm bringing back to you. With whom are we solidary? And up to what point? I think that a person could tell you that they are solidary and it could be true. Like, I don't know, a person who is doing everything you can understand by solidarity, like, I don't know, um, giving money to charity, helping, you know, people cross the street, working uh, with people from r poor areas, uh, spending their afternoons helping uh, young students with their homework and so on and so forth. And you could have this person who would do all these wonderful things and you would say yes this person is a solidary person but then the same person could tell you you know some racist things or could say that they are against immigrants they could be homophobes so how do you reconcile you know this willingness to help some people you know the people who are from the same group but like you And you could say, yes, a person who is helping others is solidary. But at the same time, the same person could have a lot of prejudices and could discriminate against other people. And I think we cannot talk about true solidarity unless we encompass all these aspects. So are we talking about the limits of solidarity? Do you think there are limits to it? The limits? I think there's no limits to solidarity. Uh, I think there shouldn't be any limits to solidarity because I think the limits maybe is your own mind. Our own minds are the, li the limits to solidarity. 
we can understand solidarity in a different way depending on how open we are to include other people or everyone in this world in our inner circle. People in general identify uh, with one or more groups and so they create these circles around them and whoever is not in this circle is outside of this circle. And we can view this world uh, in, in this way of, of us and them, but we can also understand that all these circles can somehow come together. And even if people speak a different language or have a different religion or a different sexual orientation, they are still part of our community, of our society, of our world, and they should all have the same rights and the same uh, access to power. Oh, and you say that solidarity is understanding the complexity of human beings. But many times we have stereotypes that can limit our perception, that may prevent us from seeing people for who they are. What can happen if we actually acknowledge our own prejudices and stereotypes instead of avoiding them? I, uh, I absolutely think that we should face our stereotypes and prejudices because we all have them. And uh, that is a reality, whether we want to admit it or not. And because we have them, uh, we see the world in a certain way, in which we were taught to see it by our parents, by our teachers, uh, by the literature, the media, the music, you know, everything uh, is and has been full of stereotypes uh, throughout history. And in order to get rid of them, like in any other situation, we have to acknowledge them. So we have to look in the mirror and understand where they come from and what are the stereotypes that we have. And why don't we do it more often? The reason why we don't do that as much as we should is that we feel uncomfortable learning that we are not such nice people because of course we all want to have a positive image about ourselves and when we look in the mirror and we see that you know we have stereotypes about this group and about that group and that we behaved according to our stereotypes uh, this image uh, is a bit shattered what can we do about it we need to understand that it is not our fault that we have these stereotypes It is the fault of the society in which we grew up, in which we were educated, that it transmitted these stereotypes to us in a conscious and unconscious way. However, it is our fault if we continue to, to behave in this way without uh, making a self-analysis and without trying to change these stereotypes. And I think that, you know, this, this guilt that we feel is, is a bit paralyzing. And if we rid ourselves from this guilt, if we try to believe that it is not our fault, and even if we have stereotypes, we're not bad people, uh, then we can start to work on overcoming them and on uh, understanding them and on helping other people understand what stereotypes they have so we can get rid of them or at least you know get rid of 95% of them because it's probably going to be difficult to get rid of all of them mm. 
Now, speaking more specifically about discrimination at a systemic level, I understand we have come a long way since more openly discriminatory legislation. However, it has not been enough. What are some of the challenges we're still facing? Now, our legislation, if we look at it on paper, it's, uh, it's pretty good in general. The problem is when we uh, put into practice what is on paper. Uh, that is a, a whole different story. And with systemic discrimination, uh, the problem is that it is very hard to change this, this system that has been going on for, for years and for centuries. And I think that this is the task of the main task of our generation to, to work on changing the system uh, so that it truly gives everyone the possibility to get access to power, that it truly gives everyone the possibility to be an active member of the society. So, our last guest, Dragan Atanasov, talked about solidarity in small and safe groups and how solidarity usually becomes more scarce in solidarity at large, especially in big groups, organizations and institutions per se. So he's interested in creating more solidarity institutions. So he has sent you this question. How do we create institutions that have solidarity as principles of their work? Or, in simple words, how do we make sure that institutions operate on the principles of solidarity or that they are able to show solidarity at a societal level? This is a great question. And I think that, first of all, we need to acknowledge that we actually want to create these institutions because I think this would be a really good thing for the European Union and the Council of Europe and different <laughs> other uh, institutions at national or international level to declare that they want to do this, that they want to create more solidarity institutions. Um, I think the, the answer to this is not so difficult in the sense that, you know, institutions are made of people. And so to create solidarity institutions, we need to have uh, solidarity people um, as members of these institutions. But in order to achieve this, uh, I'm going back to education, you know, to, to training people to develop their um, intercultural competence, to creating safe spaces for people to um, acknowledge their stereotypes, to discuss with one another about their stereotypes and to find Uh, together ways to overcome them. And of course, these institutions should be uh, based on democratic values, on values that are relevant to solidarity. But uh, the problem is that in theory, we have these values at the basis of various institutions. Uh, the question is how we transpose them in practice because it's not always the case. Well, Now it's your turn to send the question to the next guest, Katya Dunayeva. She writes about transborder solidarity, specifically the case of Romani movement. I think uh, her article is really very interesting. And I was wondering if um, she could elaborate a little bit about an intersectional feminist approach. Because, you know, in the Roman nation, just like in any other nation, um, the male perspective is dominant. 
but today we have a lot of examples of intersectional feminist, uh, feminism and um, Katya mentions uh, Ethel Brooks. There's also, um, for example, in Romania, feminist intersectional Roma theater company called Juvli Pen uh, and a lot of uh, other uh, feminist intersectional approaches and, and scholars. And my question to, to Katya is if she could tell us a little bit more about the intersectional feminist perspective within the Roma movement. And do you have any final message to our listeners? Change happens with each and every one of us. And if we want to have a solidary society, and if we want to have a society that is free of discrimination of any kind, including systemic discrimination, we need to start with small steps looking at us, looking at our colleagues, looking at our families and moving together in a different direction. Thank you so much, Joanna. This has been such an important conversation about solidarity and really the work we have to do to unlearn our biases and prejudices. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's time now to leave Southeast Europe. I'm quite happy with the conversations we've had listening to people, their stories, their questions. I find it interesting the way that pieces are getting together so far. Let's take DN6 and 5. Sorixari Ut Budapest X. This route is 36 minutes faster than DN6. 5. Next stop, Budapest, Hungary. There I'll meet Katya Dunayeva. I want to ask her about borders, identities and solidarity, of course. Stay with me. This is a series of Salto European Solidarity Core Resource Center, produced by Instituto Now. The theme song, Solidarity Unifies Us, is composed and sung by Paula Geers. For more information and resources on solidarity and the European Solidarity Core, go to www.salto-youth.net/solidarity. Our love to share.